Thanks for downloading this episode of On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. Let's start with a little case study. Uh, tell me about what is Mashable. So Mashable is the social media guide. We cover what's happening in the social media space from you know, helping uh, people with uh, marketing their corporations. Perhaps they're the social media marketing people that they're, they're big business. Perhaps they're marketing their small business. Perhaps they're marketing their non-profit through social media. Perhaps they're just an ordinary user. Maybe they're on Facebook. Maybe they're on Twitter. Maybe they're using new tools like Foursquare. And they want to know, hey, how do I get the most out of these tools? What are the best iPhone apps? What are the best Facebook applications? How do I use Twitter uh, in a personal capacity? You know, how do I get the most out of these desktop Twitter tools or these mobile Twitter tools? So we kind of cover the whole spectrum of what's happening in social media, but most of all, how to use it and about utility. And you guys are growing. So tell me about that uh, that ride. You know, up. sure. So Mashable started in uh, 2005. And we basically, you know, it was just me, I was 19 in my house in Scotland, and I wanted to get involved in uh, the web. I thought, you know, the web is a really exciting space. It was growing, it was catching on, and I wanted to get into that space. I didn't understand it fully. I certainly wasn't connected to anyone in the space, and blogging seemed like the way to communicate with people, to to network with people who are influencers in the space, and also to... Uh, kind of learn through through writing and expressing itself. Um, and then over the last four years, we've grown up to 20-plus full-time employees. We've got 50 to 60 uh, writers who are, who are guests and part-time. And I think it's been a kind of a, an exciting ride. What's great is that I, I live back in the UK most of the time, so I don't necessarily get too caught up in, you know, uh, the impact that we're having and I get to kind of stay heads down and focused on, on putting out really great content every day um, I think it's it's always kind of uh, rewarding to come to stuff like South by Southwest and to see um, that there are you know lots and lots of people interested in social media that's become a movement and that you're part of something much much bigger Given the doldrums of the ad-supported media community, what are you doing differently to buck the trend? So I think you know, niche always sells. If you're if you're in a in a in a vertical, you're able to sell ads at high CPMs. And I think if you're if you're laser sharp focused on, for instance, social media, then all those big brands that want to get involved, that they want people to be paying attention to what they're doing on Facebook or on Twitter, or they want people to pay attention to their corporate blog, is. Um, it's fairly easy for us to to convert those people to to ad buyers because we're so focused and we're so niche. But I think you know more so. I think there's opportunities for media going forward in packaging. I think one really exciting development is this week we had uh, the iPad has gone on pre-order, and that's essentially a device that lets you package media. It says, hey, what if you could buy a version of Wired on the iPad and pay money for it? And I think people will. I think that might even break. The, uh, the cycle of people expecting news for free on the web. I think we might see with devices like the iPad, with the iPhone, where people are used to paying for content, that uh, these could be 
become channels where people are actually prepared to pay for media. So for us, it's it's actually been relatively effortless to sell ads. But I also think there's more opportunities down the pipe for all media companies to start charging for content as long as it's packaged right. Have you heard anything about pricing? I mean, are any of the publishers in the magazine world talking about what they might charge for an iPad issue of a magazine? That's that is varying wildly across the spectrum. I you know I would guess that something like ten bucks would be a great price, but I, what I'm hearing is ten bucks for a one issue. Well, for a subscription, I think. for for an annual subscription, right? Something like that. But I think I think we're um, we're unclear. I mean, it, most as with most Apple rumors, it's all speculation until they announce something. So I think it's it's somewhat unclear, and I. Th- think that you know publishers might be able to set pricing it'll depend whether you're a magazine or a book publisher or whatever um but yeah we don't know where apple's going to set the price point quite yet on may 6th and 7th 2010 in new york city co-chairs elizabeth albrecht and eric schwartzman with the support of prsa bring you the third annual digital impact conference featuring keynote presentations from gabriel stricker director of global communications and public affairs at google Jennifer Preston, social media editor of the New York Times, and Jeremiah Oyak, analyst and partner at the Altimeter Group. To save $100 on admission, visit ontherecordpodcast.com for the promo code before you register. What do you consider a high CPM? You said high CPM. What is a high CPM? <laughs> that varies wildly. I mean, a, high, a really high CPM is if you can get 100 bucks, but you're, you're not going to get that. I mean, a good CPM is like um, you know, more than 15 bucks, I would say, is a good CPM. But on some video stuff, you can be way up to like 20 bucks CPM. Some people even get $30 CPM on really focused content, which essentially means that for every thousand readers, you're making 30 bucks, which is pretty great. But um, I think most people would consider something like 15 to $20 CPM a decent CPM, and then the low CPMs that you get from AdSense can be as low as like $1 to $2 per thousand if you're on Google AdSense. You remember, or are you familiar, read about a publication called Industry Standard? Yes. Big, you know, yep. They sort of couldn't make it happen. Yep. What do they do wrong? I'm not familiar with industry standard as a use case. I assume they tried to get online and, and didn't make the transition. Is that right? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I know that they were, that uh, I've read that they had $100 million in revenue, but that it wasn't enough, and so they went bankrupt. Okay, this is, so this is um, kind of real-world publishing and why that model is kind of not working. I think um, there's a need to, to adapt and to... You know, there's a cannibalization that needs to take place, which is to say that this web stuff takes a lot less resources than uh, the traditional stuff. And I think what we're seeing is the traditional publishers resisting uh, the transition and trying to keep that cash cow going as long as possible because they think that that the written word in print is going to be more profitable than the online version. Now, obviously, there's going to be a transition at some point. Obviously, at some point, people stop buying printed media because they can get it free online. Um, And if that transition isn't made soon enough, they essentially reach a precipice where there's nowhere else to go but down. Uh, And I think some have reached that, but I think many are doing the digital transition very, very well. I think... 
I think you know the big newspapers will make it. I think a lot of the the bigger magazines will make the transition, um, and then others who don't make the leap will will get left behind, and they'll just you know quickly uh, disappear. You read uh, Andreessen's comment, "Burn the boats." Yes. What's your thoughts on that? Well, obviously, I, I agree fully that um, they've got to uh, cannibalize an old industry in order to uh, build up new revenue opportunities. So, But they still have real revenue coming from the print advertising, even if it is declining. How do you convince the board of directors to vacate? So I think you know the rule on cannibalization is uh, you either cannibalize yourself or someone else is going to do it for you. Um, and I think... Typically, with you know what happened with the you know, music industry is a great example. Uh, iTunes owns the vast majority of, of the digital music market and a good percentage of the entire music market. Now, the reason they do that is because they stepped up and said, "Hey, instead of suing people who are sharing music online, let's create let's make it even easier to pay for the music. Let's create a platform and let's create a process where you have a device, you have a system which." iTunes, and it becomes so effortless to pay for that music through that payment method that going something like BitTorrent and risking getting viruses or not knowing what you're downloading or searching for the thing for hours, it's kind of a waste of time. And what the music industry did instead was said, hey, we're making a lot of money from this old business, let's try and keep that as long as possible, let's try and sue everyone that's doing stuff online um, because we can keep milking the cash cow for as long as possible. Then suddenly someone cannibalized them. iTunes stepped up, owned the market, iTunes is now the distributor where the record companies that don't have a distribution role anymore, they don't even know what their role is. So the risk for uh, traditional uh, publishers is very much that if they don't make the leap, uh, blogs have sprung up already and are cannibalizing a great deal of that stuff. They've already, especially in the tech space where I work, blogs have completely cannibalized um, existing publications because um, essentially we offer the same thing for free and if, if those publications haven't made the leap to, to digital distribution yet they're going to have a real challenge because they've allowed the competition to, to natively spring up online. The top-rated, longest-running social media communications training program comes to Los Angeles this August 2010. Bring your laptop, log on, and learn the ins and outs of effective social media communications and search engine optimization. Reserve your space by logging on to www.newmediaprbootcamp.com. What about formats and the future of Mashable? Do you see Mashable uh, getting into audio and video as well, or are you primarily text? Are you going to match that up? I mean, what do you think, you know, how does format affect the future of Mashable? You know, I think all media companies should be open to uh, different media types, but I also feel like we have an expertise in creating great text content, and I think there are a lot of people who do video better than us, and I think you need to know your specialization. One of the key things about the web is there's unlimited competition. Okay, if you get into the video space, there's going to be a hundred other people who only do video, and if you only do video, you know, every day, all day, uh, you're probably going to be better at it than us. So I think you have to you have to be conscious of your specialization. You have to say, well, in order to win at this market, we need to be the very best, and we try to be the very very best at text content. So I have some concerns about about going out of that uh, vertical, but I also feel like there are opportunities for us to do it within the context. Can we create the best social media video? Can we create the best social media audio? 
um, I think there's certainly the potential for that. We just need to you know, have the right people for the job. So as the founder and editor of Mashable, in addition to running the business, you also have visibility over developments in the social media business. Right. When you look at the landscape and you think of B2B, Right. Is there anybody in that category of social media that you think defines that space or is doing a really good job with it? In the B2B space? Yeah. Um, you know, we don't cover B2B extensively at Mashable because uh, we're really about consumer and we're about mainstream and we're about utility. I think, you know, one of the great examples of serving businesses uh, through these social media tools are things like Co-Tweet, which are uh, services for brands that want to market on social media. So Co-Tweet, for instance, is a tool for um, brands to communicate through Twitter with multiple, with multiple users uh, authoring the account. So you can have uh, lots of different people from your organization contributing to a single account. Say you're Comcast and you want to do the Comcast Cares account and you need to do customer service through Twitter. You're not necessarily going to have one person operating that account. Um, so if you use something like a code suite, uh, you can essentially... Um, you know, author have multiple authors on a single Twitter account. We're seeing many of these where uh, businesses can sign up and essentially manage, say, multiple Facebook accounts, or they can manage Facebook and Twitter in a kind of a business environment so that they're speaking direct to consumers. So those are the B2B plays that we kind of cover on Mashable. We also kind of cover the B2B in the sense that um, there's a lot of these analytics firms that are doing social media analytics on how well are your campaigns working. And a lot of those are B2B plays where they, they go to businesses, whether they're large or whether they're, whether they're large or small, and they and they go to them and they say, hey, how is your social media marketing paying off? We can give you analytics on how many people are tweeting about your brand, whether that, uh, whether those tweets are positive or negative, who's talking about you uh, on the blogs, uh, how, who are the biggest influencers on those blogs, and how can you target them? So those are the interesting B2B plays we're seeing where it's either about uh, managing social media or it's about social media analytics and perfecting uh, figuring out what people are saying about your brand and how you might improve that. Are there any people that come to mind that you think of sort of the gurus of B2B social media, any individuals, any names? So, you know, in terms of just social media marketing as a whole, I think, you know, Chris Brogan's a name that comes up a great deal, who, you know, speaks about how uh, brands can, uh, can command audiences and can communicate well with audiences. I think in the in the B2B space, it's certainly less covered on the blogs. I mean, blogs tend to be consumer-focused. The ones that get traction tend to tend to focus on the consumer. But I think, um, yeah, someone like a Chris Brogan certainly talks to how brands can communicate with individuals. Right. But in, in the B2B side, there's no... Really I don't think there's a single key player that I would talk to. Um, uh, but certainly it's, it's not my area of expertise. I'm very much, uh, my expertise is on the B2C rather than the B2B stuff. So. Final question. If someone wants to be featured in Mashable, mm-hmm. what's the best way for them to go about that? Sure. So it's very, very simple. We have a single mailbox called news at mashable.com. And people simply write an email to that one. There's always an editor on there 24-7. And if it's interesting, we'll pick it up. We tend to prefer that people keep it short to the point. Here's my pitch. You know, don't go three three pages don't say hey here's a 12 page pdf explaining my company please go and open it up um yep keep it short to the point and use it mashable.com yeah thanks for doing it great to talk to you 
You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. On the Record Online is hosted by Eric Schwartzman, an independent online communications consultant whose clients include the U.S. Department of State, the United States Marine Corps, the U.S. Embassy of Greece, the Government of Singapore, Johnson & Johnson, Toyota, Southern California Edison, the Environmental Defense Fund, and dozens of small to medium-sized organizations. For information about engaging Eric Schwartzman as a speaker, social media trainer, or digital strategist, visit www.ericschwartzman.com or send email to eric at ericschwartzman.com.